the 72nd year of serving Southeast Ohio. AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H-F-N's. In case you haven't gotten enough rain yet, it's still happening. And as we look ahead the next uh, three days, maybe even four, it's going to continue. 46 degrees are expected high today and tomorrow. 59 on Wednesday, 67 on Thursday. we look ahead to next weekend, it's going to be rather pleasant temperatures, 70s and 80s. And it's that time of year when you have it kind of come and go and come and go. And uh, so you look forward when it's there, right? Indeed. Scott's here. I'm here. Good um, morning. Good morning. It is April 18th. Yes. April 18th, the year, of course, 2022. Um, In terms of today, what is today? Today is National Animal Crackers Day. Nothing wrong with them. National Lineman Appreciation Day. We've got a lineman coming out to work tomorrow here at the station. Um... You ever heard the song Wichita Lineman? Of course. course. Glenn Campbell, wasn't it? Yeah, that's what that song refers to. Uh, And lastly, National Columnists Day. Those who write columns in newspapers and publications. Yesterday, we weren't here, so we'll just uh, fill you in on what that was. Of course, it was Easter. We had a nice family get-together last night, those who are in the Athens area, and uh, had um, some wonderful ribs. We had lamb, to be traditional, right? Uh, All prepared from um, these wonderful uh, grills that uh, Jackie and Dan have. Uh, It's National Crawfish Day yesterday. International Bat Appreciation Day. And I don't think they're talking about baseball bats. I think they're talking about those um, kind of unnerving things that fly around, right? Flying bats. There you go. And not after a hitter throws one when he strikes out. It's National Haiku Poetry Day. Is haiku how that's pronounced? Haiku. Haiku. Forgive me. And what is haiku poetry? Do you know? I do not. We'll find out. Okay, look it up. It was also National Cheese Ball Day, National Ellis Island Family History Day. And uh, those are the things we have about yesterday, which, of course, most of us simply know as Easter. Now, what was the one I was asking? Haiku about? poetry okay. is a type of short-form poetry originally from Japan. Traditional Jap- uh, Japanese haiku consists of three phrases 
that contain a Kereji or a cutting word, 17 on in a 575 pattern, and a Kigo or a seasonal reference. Okay. Similar poems that do not adhere to these rules are generally classified as uh, Senryu poetry. Yeah. Sounds way too complicated. I'm, I'm you, lost on both. Do you have uh, an example of one? Uh, let's see. What is haiku? And give an example. Haikus focus on a brief moment in time, juxtaposing two images and creating a sudden sense of enlightenment. A good example of this haiku uh, comparison of singular candle with the starry wonderment of the spring day. Comparing a candle... To the wonderment of the spring sky. Okay. I think I'll just let it pass. Uh, <laughs> so. I, uh, it didn't do much for me. That, that's the best we can do here. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's see here. Uh, just a word about upcoming programs. We have three this week. Uh, tomorrow we'll be talking about the annual... Well, not so annual lately, but now it's come back. The the Dairy Barn Art Auction. This is always a pleasant event. There's music, there's entertainment, there's food. Um, and, and then there's also a, a terrific display of local artists, uh, local artists' uh, works of art, right? Yes. And then uh, these are... Um, basically available for auction. So this is kind of a, what do I want to call it, a very social event. And it's coming up here in a week or two. Um, I forget the exact date. I know we have tickets for it. Um, and the tickets include, you know, all of the beverages and meals and um, entertainment and, and then the op- op- opportunity to bid on these pieces of art. So Jay, Jay Hostetler is going to be joining us tomorrow to talk about the Dairy Barn Art Auction. On Wednesday, you've heard uh, Bill Hoschild on the air talking about Race for a Reason, which is coming right up. You've heard some of our grad students that are involved in it as well. Um, so we're, we're going to talk about Race for a Reason on Wednesday's program right here. Thursday will be an update, the monthly update from the mayor of Athens, Steve Patterson, on uh, all the activities of the city and the region. Um, We've got two bookings for next week. One deals with the Athens Athens County Humane Society, something that both Scott and I are very um, passionate about. The other is on Thursday, and it concerns a thing called HAPCAP, which is Hawking Athens Perry Community Action Program. I think I said it right. And looking three weeks down the road, the County Commissioner, Chris Schmiel, joins us. Anyway, that's, that's our update at this point. But a full week this week, starting with the art auction tomorrow. All right. Let's see here. On this day in history, 
And once again, today is April 18th, and of course the year 2022. The Bolesla Shrubri. Forgive any mispronunciations. Is crowned in Gnizbano, becoming the first king of Poland. When was this? The year 1025. Just a little short time ago. In 1506, the cornerstone of the current St. Peter's Basilica is laid in the Vatican by Pope Julius II. The year 1775, Paul Revere and the William Dawes Ride from Charleston to Lexington, warning the regulars are coming. The regulars are coming. Seventeen eighty-three, the American Revolution. George Washington issues a general order announcing the end of hostilities with Britain, giving thanks to the Almighty and offering congratulations and authorizing an extra ration of alcohol to the troops to celebrate. I guess alcohol would have had to be rationed off, wouldn't it? Uh, Probably so. Yeah. Just a couple more. 1906, San Francisco earthquake and the subsequent fires. Kills nearly 4,000 while destroying 75% of the city. Think of that. Wow. Uh, I guess my last one that I'll mention is 1954 when Egyptian Colonel Jamal Abdel Nasser seizes power and appoints himself Prime Minister. 1954, that was. All right, we got some famous birthdays. Hmm. This is a first. Let me see if... Uh, let me just look one more page. Okay. So all our famous birthdays are still living people. Um, Conan O'Brien, right? Talk show host and all that sort of thing. Yes. Is he currently uh, doing a regular show? I think he is. Yeah. I was on, uh, I think, TNT the last I okay. saw. Well, Conan O'Brien, 59th birthday today. Well, as you mentioned, an American TV host, comedian, actor, writer, podcaster, and producer. Okay. Uh, let's see. James Woods. Um, celebrating his 75th birthday today. Um, you know, I look at his face here, and I swear I should know what he was about, but hey, I don't. He, he's been in a lot of productions. James Howard Woods was, is an, was an actor? Yes. Okay. Actor and producer is known for his work in various film, stage, and TV productions, he started his career in nine minor roles on and off Broadway in 1972. 
He appeared in the trial of the Cadensville Nine alongside Sam Waterston and Mike Moriarty on Broadway. Some of his movies include Once Upon a Time, Hercules, Vampires, and Casinos. TV shows, he was in Family Guy as a voice animator, Shark, Hercules, and Ray Donovan. Well, he's celebrating his 75th birthday today. Celebrating his 51st is David Tennant, T-E-N-N-A-N-T. And once again, I look at the picture and I say, I don't know if I know him or not. David John Tennant is a Scottish actor. Tennant rose to fame for his role as the 10th incarnation of the Doctor in the BBC sci-fi series, Doctor Who. Some of his TV shows include Doctor Who, as mentioned, Good Omens, and Around the World in 80 Days. He was also in uh, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, How to Train Your Dragon, Hamlet, and Bad Samaritan. Well, then we've certainly seen him in a few things. Yes. Even I have. Robert Hansen is the final uh, birthday we have to celebrate. Um, H-A-N-S-S-E-N. And he uh, is celebrating today his 78th birthday. Robert Philip Hansen is an American former former Federal Bureau of Investigation double agent who spied for the Soviet and Russian intelligence services against the United States from 1979 to 2001. His espionage was described by the Department of Justice as possibly the worst intelligence disaster in U.S. history. Well, there's such a nice photo of him, and yet he was a bad guy. Traitor. Yeah. Okay, two famous deaths to mention, one of which I even have a um, bobblehead of at home. (laughs) Albert Einstein. He lived from 1879 to this date in 1955. Albert Einstein was a German-born theoretical physicist widely acknowledged to be one of the greatest and most influential physicists of all time. Einstein is best known for developing the theory of relativity, but he also made important contributions to the development of the theory of quantum mechanics. Yes. Okay, now this next one doesn't have, um, isn't ringing any bell for me, so you help me out. Thor Heyerdahl, Heyerdahl, H-E-Y-E-R-D-A-H-L. He was born in 1914, (laughs) but died on this date in 2022. Thor Heyerdahl was a Norwegian adventurer and ethnographer. (coughs) Excuse me. What's what's an ethnographer? Um, We'll find out here in a moment. Okay. With a background in zoology, botany, and geography. I'm thinking with the first part of that word, ethno, ethnicity, possibly. Uh, Heyerdahl was notable for his Contiki expedition in 1947, in which he sailed 8,000 kilometers across the Pacific Ocean in a hand-built raft from South America to the Tuamatu Islands. Now, let's see what well, an I mean, ethnographer is. I wonder why such a simple 
Craft. Couldn't he have done it in a sail craft or something? Something a little more than just a... Sounded like a just a... Bunch of bamboo sticks yeah, tied yeah, together? really did. <laughs> uh, Ethnography is a branch of anthropology and the systematic do, uh, study of individual cultures. Okay. There you go with the ethnicity thing. Ethnography explores cultural phenomena from the point of view of the subject of the study. Okay. Well, that, that makes it a little clearer. Yeah. What is an example of that? Would be an anthropologist traveling to an island, living within the society on said island for years, and researching its people and culture through a process of sustained observation and participation. Now... What you're describing there is something that I have done a little bit and enjoyed down in Ecuador in the jungles. Um, it really is a special experience, and if someone ever gets the opportunity to truly do it properly, I do recommend it. And uh, how long has been my experience? About a month. Down in Chupienza. Now, could I have gone longer? Yeah. It was so amazing. Oh, well. Is That's that where you ate too many bananas? Well, that was the same trip, but not the same experience. Oh. I'm killing my phone there. Okay, here's another uh, little blurb that uh, is worth sharing, I think. Um, let's see here. Is that us? I think, yeah, that is right there. Okay, so let me grab that. I, I think we have a phone call and do everything just right here. Good morning. Tickety-poo. Tickety-poo. Hi, Don. How are y'all today? We're doing fine. Good. Well, if I was a duck, I'd be in heaven. I know that much. <laughs> it's uh, it's damp out there for sure. How about a goose? Yeah, either one. I tell you what, <laughs> I, I can't get wet. I can't get out in the rain and get wet. Why? I'm melt. sweet and melt. <laughs> <laughs> Where were we the other day, my <laughs> wife and I? Let me think here for a minute. It was somewhere on East State Street where you wouldn't expect this. And a goose was walking around. And it had, you know, the longest neck. And it was just exploring. And no traffic or anything was bothering it. It was looking in little grassy areas there by restaurants and stuff. Right. And um, it was such a cool sight. Well, if you go down the hockey there on past the uh, asylum on the hill, you'll see good uh, flocks that yeah. walk with the bank. Geese. Yeah. Geese, right. Yeah, geese, 
You mean down Houston down Blue. like by White's Mill and all that? Yeah, down okay. in that middle wooded, grassy place between Richland and yeah. Union Street or that little strip. Yep. Yeah. It's on, always loaded with geese on both sides of the river. You see them yeah. all the time on near the bike path. Oh, you know the story I'm telling. This was we had to go up to um, Ohio State's uh, hospital with my wife, and this okay. was at um, White Castle there on Bexley Road, the, where we saw the goose. Wow! Yeah, think of that. <laughs> okay, I wish they'd all go to Columbus. Yeah. <laughs> all right. What's on your mind? He had a hankering for a White Castle oh. for a slider. Oh, I can't do them. Oh, I can. <laughs> Only, only under I, certain circumstances, but I do like them. <laughs> I did, but I tried. You know, I after a while, it got to the point where I might as well instead of taking X like take a White Castle. <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling that was coming. Oh dear! <laughs> That's why they call them sliders. So uh, there's a guy I grew up with. His name was Dan Ingram. <laughs> Don, did you hear me? No. Okay, there's a guy I grew up with. His name is Dan Ingram. And his father is the founder of White Castle. Uh, that's neat. And Dan that's today good. is the head guy for everything. Well, well, talking about food. Yeah. Over home, we had a restaurant, and it had, like, you could carry out food, or they had a drive drive and go up and yeah. tell them what you want, take a seat, then go back to the window. Yeah. They're selling hot dogs for a dollar. Yeah. And they found out the chili was made with dog food. <laughs> really? Yeah. In uh, my high school. I didn't need school, to know that part. <laughs> my high school mascot was a greyhound. <laughs> <laughs> And that's not their name where that was, okay? Well, it's gone. That's burnt down. Okay. But, yeah, it, oh, it was, yeah, man, they get 10 hot dogs for $10. People were going crazy over it. I bet. They, they were good. I'm not going to lie. With the dog so food, yeah. Didn't know what you was eating, but, hey, <laughs> it filled you up. <laughs> Have a mystery dog. What's on your mind today? Well, I just call in, say hi to you guys. See, maybe I get a little chuckle, get some laughter in the world. Well, you yeah. achieved. Mission accomplished. You? Well, you guys have a great day. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, let's see. Well, the last thing we have to mention here along these lines is that um, uh, and Scott, we're going to have to look this one up. It says, hardly a week went by when the Crisia Borgia, who was born on this day, was not accused of some foul deed. But was she just a pawn in the hands of her evil family? So this is long ago. Lucrezia was she here? They offer the question April 18th. Um, wicked or sinless? The life of Lucrezia Borgia. She was a Spanish Italian noblewoman of the House of Borgia who was the daughter of Pope Alexander VI 
and Venazia del Cantone. She reigned as the governor of Spolito, a position usually held by cardinals in her own right. So, hmm, she was in the, um, well, the theology sector, so to speak. Let's see, she became famous for her, her skill at political intrigue. We got a lot of those here in this country today. I didn't say that. Wait, is Lent over? Yeah, I gave up politics for Lent. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, all right. Let's see, on this day in history, did we do this? I don't think so. The year 1025, Boleslaw Shrobri is crowned in Genizno, becoming the first king of Poland. Did we do this? I think we did. Okay, let's see. San Francisco. Yes, we did. Okay. Sorry. Well, in case someone missed it the first time around, there you have it. Now about the king of Poland. So, <clears throat> Maripol. Their ultimatum. Ukrainian forces in the southern city of Maripol defied a Russian ultimatum yesterday to lay down their arms, sources say. The offer reportedly would have allowed safe passage to roughly 2,500 soldiers holding out at an Azovstal steel plant in the eastern part of the city. The massive mill covers roughly four square miles and is believed to be the last major pocket of Ukrainian resistance in the city. Well, the capture of Maripol would mark the most significant gain for Russia after a series of successive setbacks. Analysts say it would allow additional Russian forces to turn their attention to what is expected to be a significant assault on the contested Donbras region, which sits to the northeast. Just to finish this up, Maripol has been blockaded and under the siege for weeks. And city officials estimate at least 10,000 civilians have been killed during the fighting. Though the figure has not been absolutely confirmed. Well, what else is going on? Jerusalem. Clashes continue there. says at least 17 Palestinians were injured yesterday after Israeli police were required to help clear a path for Jewish worshipers at one of the country's most revered religious sites. The clashes unfolded at the Temple Mount, the holiest site in Judaism. The hill is also home to the Al 
Aksa Mosque, generally considered the third holiest site in Islam. More than 150 Palestinians were injured Friday after police broke up crowds reportedly throwing objects near the prayer area of the Western Wall. The violence is the latest escalation in the country in recent weeks, which includes a series of shootings in Israeli cities and resultant raids that left at least a, a, a dozen dead on other uh, on on either side, I should say. The region suffered extended violence last year amid the 11-day war between Israel and Hamas militants in the Gaza Strip. This area has had a long-running conflict, certainly. Well, let's see here. Different story altogether. Vital. Rings the bell. That's right. Legendary basketball analyst Dick Vitale has been declared free of cancer following months of chemotherapy treatments. In August, the 82-year-old Vitale announced he was undergoing operations to remove melanoma, and shortly after revealed he had been diagnosed with symptoms. Oh, no. Diagnosed with lymphoma. Well, the Basketball Hall of Famer, who began broadcasting college basketball games more than four decades ago, missed the majority of season after undergoing Uh, season after play, that is, after undergoing throat surgery. Vital has previously said uh, he hopes to be back for the 2022-23 season. And they go on, watch him ring the bell at the Sarasota Memorial Hospital. Separately, the full NBA postseason tipped off over the weekend, punctuated by a dramatic finish by the Boston Celtics in Game 1 against the Brooklyn Nets. Let's see, here's an article that might be worth it for all of us. The topic generally says, melt away stress so you can sleep. Sleep is everything. When we're sleeping well, we focus better, feel calmer, and are happier. The problem is, stress can get in the way and throw a wrench into our plans for much-needed rest. I can tell you that's the truth for me. Enter the Apollo wearable, a wearable hug for your nervous system. Uh Uh-oh, this sounds a little fishy. 
This hug fastens to your wrist or ankle and uses soothing vibrations to calm you down. It's been developed by physicians and neuroscientists. The Apollable wearable has been shown in clinical studies to improve sleep, sleep quality and quantity as well as heart rate variability which they say is a key barometer for stress. If you're hoping to improve your sleep without relying on drugs, Apollo may be for you. Try it here today and use code such and such for a discount. How'd that get built into one of our news stories? Oh, well. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> Uh, let's see. In sports, what do we got? Oklahoma edges Florida to win its fifth NCAA women's gymnastics national title. Stanford w wins its third straight men's championship. Again, gymnastics. Cincinnati Reds rookie Hunter Green throws 39 pitches over 100 miles per hour in a single game. The most since pitch tracking records began in 2008. Think of that. He's pretty tough. Rookie this year for the Reds, and they have the 57 total pitches he threw. In that game, um, the average speed of the pitch was over 100 miles per hour. Okay, now how do they figure this? They have these guns. Oh, they've got stat cast and everything. They, yeah. They've got these guns. They've, yeah. Like and radar guns. Exactly. So that, that, okay, so I'm, I'm about to tell a story here. Saturday, we went to a local restaurant. Or was it Sunday? It doesn't matter. But it was in the evening, and they were having a retirement party for one of the Kroger employees, who is very familiar to me. And I'm, i got to twist his arm a little bit, because he might be able to help us in engineering here at the station, now that he's retired. But the point is, Two people saw me and came running up to me at this restaurant. Did they want your food? No. <laughs> they wanted to see me. And this is someone that worked for us at the station years ago. They live in um, just north of San Francisco. He and his wife. And they came back to attend this retirement party. They, they do a lot of traveling. But this guy invented a company called Pocket Radar. Without question, folks, this is absolutely the most famous equipment today for 
measuring, sports, pitching, and other events, right? And this guy started it, and he used to work here. And he was, um, I'm always amazed when I see him. He is just so appreciative of his years with the station here. Even though he's in a completely different line. He sent me, back when I was involved with the Copperheads so deeply, he sent me a free gun, which the Copperheads use every year now. Well, not the last two, but now they will again. Um, they also make speed equipment, radar equipment for the law enforcement industry. It was just so cool to run into him again. Oh, well, just a personal story I was sharing with you. Yeah, those um, those uh, detectors are located behind the backstop in the stadium. Yeah. So they've got them installed there, so nobody really has to sit there and hold them some anymore. Do. Some do. Well, the scouts do. Yeah. Those are the only ones that hold them. But anyway, they're installed in stadiums to track uh, pitch speeds. They track exit velocity now of how hard a ball is hit when it leaves the bat. So they track the speed of runners from home to first, from first to third, from first to home. Uh, they track speed of outfielders running down fly balls. I mean, you you name it. They track the speeds of about anything and everything. The speed of a honeybee flying around home plate. They could probably track that too. But uh, this pitcher for the Reds was uh, phenomenal in the speed of his pitches. Now a lot of guys that throw hard like that, a lot of them blow out their arms eventually from the torque on the muscle and the bone and the ligaments and the pitching arm because a a human arm wasn't designed for that particular type of activity over long periods of time. But uh, he's he's pretty special right now. He was the Reds' uh, number one pick, I think, in 20, I want to say 17, maybe 2019, but he was the second pick overall in the Major League Draft. Somebody had a pick ahead of the Reds, and then the Reds took Hunter Green with the number two pick. So he's finally getting his chance in the big leagues now. I found a report this morning, but I don't have it finished printing, so I'll try to bring it in later this week. But it is um, it only deals with small cities in, in the United States and their degree of popularity and their degree of business future. And uh, so I'll bring I'll bring that in later this week, okay? I just didn't have time to sort it all out for our purposes today. We do have a caller. Good morning. Good morning, Dave. Yes, sir. Uh, I was wondering if you knew what the status of the connecting road between West State Street and Union uh, is at this point. Let me think here. West State and Union. Roughly from the West State Street Park down to uh, West Union. There's been some debate as to whether to make the link or where to put it through. Are you following this, Scott? Yeah, there's uh, been some construction going on 
uh, right there on uh, Schaefer Street, but I think he's talking about uh, the the possibility of a road going from the West State Street Park over to West Union. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, so from the ball fields over. Yes. Okay. No, I've not heard a thing. I've not heard a thing. It would seem logical. Um, The mayor will be here Thursday. Maybe we could pose that question to him. Are you you available Thursday morning? Probably. Jump in. All right. We'll try to do that. Okay. Yeah, I've not heard any updates either, other than it's just in the preliminary stages as far as I know and planning and where it's going to be and – wasn't uh, way, way, way long ago such a thing proposed? No. Yeah. Active. Oh, active? I don't think so. Okay. Not that I remember. Do you remember, caller, if there was? No. Okay. I don't know if it ever was, but I know we've got terrible congestion from the restriction of parking that they've uh, got in the West Ball Street yeah. Uh, yeah. areas now. Because oh of goodness. new split rail fences and and signs warning people not to park on the grass, it's just it's really congested on weekends at certain times. Other times there's no problem, but uh, really could use some uh, some relief from the congestion. Maybe we can light a fire under the powers that be. Yeah, definitely. Let's let's uh, let's work on this Thursday. Alrighty. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, the only connector uh, connector I know is uh, the bike path from there over between uh, the Veterans uh, VA right there and the American Legion. You get a ticket if you try to drive on that. Yeah, I was just getting ready to say that it's not for vehicles. It's only for bikes and pedestrians. Right. Yeah, that would not be a good idea to, to try to drive a vehicle through there. Okay. Let's see if we can... Um, yeah, call in Thursday if you're available. Bring it up for the mayor. Okay. Right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay, now, let's see. What was I saying? Oh, um... Okay, once again, the Ukraine. It says, uh, the West is alarming Ukraine and punishing Russia. Today we look at countries that aren't. The messy middle. If you live in most any Western country, your government's support for the Ukraine, including sending weapons and imposing sanctions on Russia, can give the impression of a global, a rather united global response to Vladimir Putin's invasion. But that isn't the case. Most of the world's 195 countries have not shipped aid to the Ukraine or joined in sanctions. A handful have actively supported Russia. Far more occupy the messy middle. Um, Let's see. We live in a bubble here in the U.S. and Europe where we think the very stark moral and geopolitical stakes and framework of what we're seeing is unfolding. And it's a universal cause. It's a Barry Pavel, who's the senior vice president of the Atlantic Council. Actually, most of the governments of the world are not with us. Okay, today's newsletter offers a guide to some of those countries and why they have committed to their stances. 
So there's national interests, right? For, ex for example, India and Israel are prominent democracies that ally with the U.S. on many issues, particularly security. But they rely on Russia for security as well and have avoided arming Ukraine or imposing sanctions on Moscow. In both cases, the key factor isn't ideology but national interests, says my colleague Max Fisher, who has written about Russia's invasion. What about India? It's the world's largest buyer of Russian weapons, seeking to protect itself from Pakistan and China. Well, there's just a lot of countries that have to tiptoe on this stuff. And it's a mess. We're out of time, folks. Have a wonderful day. Let's see here. Wait a minute. I'm a whole minute early, aren't I? No. You got 30, about 30, 20 seconds left after this before the ID kicks in. Well, I'm looking at the wrong clock. Yeah. That's why I keep, it's out of habit. I look at that one when yep. I should be looking at this one. Yes. Okay, well, anyway, folks, um, tomorrow our topic will be Jay Hostetler and the uh, the uh, return of the Dairy Barn Arts Auction. Southeast Ohio, AM 970 and 97.1 FM. W-A-T-H-F-N's. This is CBS News on the Hour, presented by Indeed.com. I'm Vicki Barker in London. Oh Grieving the latest victims of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, airstrikes on the cities of Lviv and Kharkiv overnight left dozens dead, while in Mariupol to the south... Ukraine's prime minister said forces there continue to make a stand in Mariupol, and they will do until the end. This despite renewed threats from Russian forces that any remaining fighters will be eliminated. CBS's Charlie Daggett in Ukraine. When the war comes to America, it will be virtual. We are seeing evolving intelligence about Russian planning for potential attacks, and we have to assume that there's going to be a breach, there's going to be an incident, there's going to be an attack. Jen Easterly, head of the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, speaking on CBS's 60 Minutes. North Korea claims it successfully test-fired a new type of missile over the weekend, just before the U.S. and South Korea begin joint military exercise in the area. Here's CBS News correspondent Elizabeth Palmer. It's not the hardware that's got alarm bells ringing this time so much as the rhetoric. The North Koreans are saying the missile is meant to carry nuclear warheads, which it already has. And analysts think we'll be seeing a new nuclear test sometime very soon. 26.2 miles from the finish line in Boston. The 126th Boston Marathon is underway with these runners taking part. I'm going to go out, really try and stick my nose in it and just see what we can do. I'm, I'm aiming high. One of my biggest dreams is to run Boston Marathon because it's a famous marathon in the world and I'm really excited and happy to be here. Today is deadline day for American taxpayers and the IRS is begging, pleading with them to file online. The IRS is strongly encouraging last-minute filers to do so electronically. They call paper their kryptonite.
At the beginning of the month, they were still working through about 3 million filings from last year. And they say all that paper takes time away from the agents who'd answer the phones. At one point this tax season, only about one in five callers was reaching a live agent. CBS's Scott McFarlane. Three companies owned by conspiracy theorist Alex Jones have filed for bankruptcy, including his InfoWars website. CBS News reporter Christopher Cruz says the filing was expected. Jones has been found liable in a defamation lawsuit brought by relatives of children killed in the 2012 Sandy Hook school massacre. Jones had told his viewers that the shooting was a hoax. Each of the three companies has estimated liabilities of as much as $10 million. They'll keep operating, though, under Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection. This is CBS News. Hire with minimal effort and maximum success with Indeed. Their powerful hiring platform helps you attract, interview, and hire candidates all in one place. Visit Indeed.com credit. Gentlemen, you can easily find the best brands in